Welcome to the CGOB Sports Show podcast. Lots of Bison content today. Adam Henry, the captain of the Bison's men's hockey team. Now he's with the Fort Wayne Comets of the ECHL. He was named the Canada West Conference Defenseman of the Year, Student Athlete Community Service Award winner. And he talks to us about that and what he thinks of life in the ECHL. Also, Addison Martin of the Manitoba Bison's women's basketball team receiving a Courage Through Adversity Award for persevering through torn ACLs and the death of her mother to have a career best year this year. And we'll also play you my interview with Randy Ambrosi, commissioner of the CFL, but a variety of things. That's all on the podcast. The Canada West Conference named its season-end award winners yesterday, and Manitoba Bison's defenseman Adam Henry brought in a pair of honors. 25-year-old captain of the team named the conference's top defenseman as well as the Student Athlete Community Service Award winner. So what's next for the Winnipegger? Well, let's let's ask him as Adam joins us now. Adam, where are you right now? Uh, right now I'm at my apartment in Fort Wayne, Indiana. And what are you doing there? Uh, well, currently I'm just hanging out, but I'm in Indiana because I'm playing hockey with the Fort Wayne Comets of the East Coast Hockey League. Okay, so uh, your Bison's career wrapped up what, a couple weeks ago, and so how quick that was the turnaround yeah. from finishing that to going to Indiana? Uh, it was about as quick as it could be. It's uh, it's one of those things when you're in your last year of eligibility at uh, university that you got to kind of try to plan ahead. So I'd set my uh, university up so that the remainder of my degree is pretty easy. All I had left was two online electives to complete my degree so that I didn't have to worry about missing class if I had to skip town after our season ended. So basically our playoff season or our playoff series ended on Saturday night and I was on a plane to Fort Wayne Tuesday morning um, or Tuesday afternoon, actually. And then I was playing Friday night in Fort Wayne. So it was a pretty quick turnaround and uh, it's been a bit of a whirlwind, but I'm a little bit settled in now. So it's been fun. So how did you make that connection with Fort Wayne? How did you know that you were going to end up going there? Or did you already have a previous relationship established with the club? Actually, you know what's funny? I'd never even heard of Fort Wayne, Indiana until about five days before that all started. Um, I, ha- I have an agent. Uh, his name's Mark McKay, works at CAA. And uh, he was basically kind of helping me out and taking calls from teams. Um, we originally had a goal. I was really hopeful to get a, an opportunity in the American Hockey League on an amateur tryout basis. Uh, it didn't really materialize, uh, which is fine. So then the second alternative was to start exploring teams to play for in the East Coast Hockey League. Uh, it's pretty common for players in uh, U-sport hockey across Canada at the completion of their degree to try playing professionally, and uh, the East Coast Hockey League is often a place that you start. Uh, so about two weeks before the playoffs started, you know, teams started realizing that our season was wrapping up soon. Teams that had, you know, weak, weaknesses on defense or injuries, or suspensions or whatnot would start looking for players. And so they'd reach out to my agent. Um, and basically it was, yeah, right before our playoff series, kind of we had developed a connection with Fort Wayne. Uh, talked to their coach a little bit. Uh, he seemed to like what he saw. And as soon as I was made available because our season ended, uh, they offered me a contract. So what have you thought of the ECHL here through a handful of games? Well, it's good. It's obviously a jump, right? Because you're playing against uh, older players. Um, some players that we have on our team are under NHL contracts, AHL contracts, uh, things like that. So it's, I would say it's just a level of play is a little bit deeper. I think the top-end skill in U-sport, any top-end player in, uh, in Canada West or across Canada could play in this league and have success. I'm confident in that. Uh, but I think that the, the depth of the teams is, is maybe a little bit deeper. Almost every player that you play against is going to be a, a strong player that can make plays, wants the puck, wants to make plays. 
Um, so it's just a little bit different in that sense. Also, the style of play is a little bit different. Uh, the grind of playing pro hockey, you're playing 72 games as opposed to our 28. Um, it's not as physical or it hasn't been as physical as compared to U-Sport. We, we obviously don't play as many games. We can kind of lay our bodies on the line every Friday, Saturday night. In this league, sometimes you're playing as many as four games in five nights or three and three. So it's a little bit more taxing on the body. So I've noticed that as a bit of a difference. But definitely the biggest difference for me would be just the overall depth of the league. So let's go back to your final year of university hockey. You were named the top defenseman in the Canada West Conference. What did it mean to you to get that honor? Yeah, you know, it, it feels really good uh, to get recognized for that award. Um, you know, I had a, a long career, five years with the Bisons, and, and I really did put a lot of time and effort in, and passion to, into my time at the U of M. Uh, I had a few good seasons statistically, including this one. So it was just nice to get recognized, and, and I'm honored by that. Um, and, and, you know, this year especially, just because last year was such a tough, tough year for the Bisons as a team. We just really struggled. We missed the playoffs for the first time in a very long time. And it was, it was honestly an, a bit of an embarrassing season for us as a team. Um, and just to come back, have a really good off season and, and really focus on the game and try to prepare myself to have one good final year before making that jump to pro. Um, it, it just, it's nice to, to be able to look back on it and know that things kind of went well. And I did get a little bit rewarded for the hard work that I put in before the season. You've also been given the Canada West Student Athlete Community Service Award. Uh, obviously, it's, a di- it's completely different from what you're doing on the ice, but I'm sure that also means a lot to you. Yeah, it's it's the same thing, and you know, it, it's not something that uh, a lot of the stuff uh, that you do, um, you know, volunteer work as a hockey player, community service work. I, I don't really think it's anything that you do hoping to get recognition for. Um, I just always kind of. I've always tried to say to younger players and, and explain to younger players that uh, the older I get, I realize how fortunate I am that I've been able to play this game and the opportunities it's given me, whether that be within the game or just, you know, the scholarship and getting to go to university and all that. So I find when you get opportunities to give back to the community in whatever aspect that may be, you know, I, I, I feel not required, but it's just something that we should really consider doing and put that little extra effort in because we do have a really good life when we're playing the game of hockey. So, you know, I, I put a lot of work in um, different ventures, you know, working with UMAC and uh, with Christmas hampers and slow mission and all that stuff. But it's not something that uh, I don't think any player I've ever played with does that hoping for recognition. Obviously it is nice to get recognized and I'm honored for that. Um, but I, I just think that, that we kind of have that duty as uh, athletes and then especially as students. So the combination of being a student athlete, I think we have that responsibility to the community that we're in. So what did you take in school, the few credits that you have left still? Well, I, I'm studying a Bachelor of Commerce at the uh, Asper School of Business, so I just have two online electives to finish that up, and I'll be uh, graduating with a double major in accounting and finance uh, from the Asper School. So is there a hope that you can put off needing that and continue your hockey career to the point where someday you'll want to use that, but for now it's all hockey? Uh, yeah, I, I think for now, you know, my immediate attention is, uh, is to play hockey and to try to, to try to be able to make some money and play the game that I love so much. You know, I've put so many years and effort into it that if, uh, if I could continue playing and enjoying it and it be worthwhile financially, that's something I would definitely explore. I think my girlfriend back home wouldn't be super interested in hearing me say that I want to play for 15 years if that's going to mean I'm traveling all around the world. Um, but definitely it's something that I, I hope I can enjoy for as long as it makes sense. Um, obviously, the, the really great thing about 
being a student athlete and then being able to pursue it afterwards. And if I ever had any advice to young players is to capitalize in on that scholarship is that now I have the opportunity to play the game, uh, try to make as much money as I possibly can. And if it doesn't go well, uh, I can come home and I have a university degree and I can start my career in that sense. So it kind of takes the pressure off. And, and that's just a really awesome added benefit of going the college route post-junior. So I'm pretty happy about that. Finally, what have you learned about Fort Wayne in your short time there? Well, Fort Wayne, you know, like I said, I hadn't actually uh, heard of the city. I didn't know where it was about two weeks ago, but in my short time here, the, the number one thing that I can tell you is that they're very passionate about the Fort Wayne Comets. Uh, I think they average, well, I don't think, I know they average the highest attendance in the East Coast Hockey League. I think they average about 8,000 fans a night. Wow. Their rink holds 10,500 and they sell it out often. Um, and they care about the Comets. Uh, we've had my first game, actually, things weren't going well, and they, they are not happy when things aren't going well, but then when you start turning around and scoring goals, it's a fun place to play. So very passionate about the Fort Wayne Comets, and I'm, I'm excited to be here. Well, Adam, I appreciate your time. Congratulations on your uh, Canada West recognitions, and best of luck as your pro career begins here. Yeah, well, thank you very much for having me on. I appreciate it. Canada West Conference has named its basketball award winners, and on the women's side, there is a definitive Manitoba flavor. UBC Thunderbirds forward and Vincent Massey grad Keelan Filowich, the conference's player of the year, led the conference in blocks and field goal percentage, Finished inside the top five in other key categories like points per game, 19.1, which is fourth. Third in offensive rebounds, fourth in defensive rebounds. Big part of UBC's success as they went 16-4 and four and lost in the conference semifinals. Then there's Manitoba Bison's fourth-year forward Addison Martin, named the winner of the Canada West Courage Overcoming Adversity Award after showing her commitment to the game of basketball while persevering with grace through loss and challenge. She's fought through two ACL tears in her career, as well as overcoming and dealing with the death of her mother. Scored 11.6 points per game and grabbed 7.8 rebounds per contest this season. Addison joins me now. Addison, what does winning this award mean to you? Um, it's, it's just really nice to be kind of just acknowledged for kind of all the work that I've put into like the sport and growing as a person. So I'm just really honored and excited to actually receive it. So when you when did you learn that you were going to get this award? Um, I learned a couple weeks ago. Michelle, my coach, uh, informed me that I won it for our conference, and I just found out Monday earlier in the week that I won it for our whole conference, which is really exciting. Now, obviously, this isn't an award that you're you know you set out to earn, but for you, it's twofold. The re- in the release, it's it's because of your recovery from a knee injury as well as adversity in your family life so let's start with the the knee injury it's been a few years now but take me back to the summer of, of 2016 it was your second ACL tear right yes it was so which leg which leg was the first one which leg was the second one um I first tore my right ACL when I was in grade 11 and then following that I tore my left ACL how frustrating was that it's just like, just like I said, like when you land, you just know exactly what's going to happen if you've already done it again. So it's just like, why is this happening to me kind of moment? And what was the support like of your teammates when that happened? Everybody was super supportive because some of our other teammates are also kind of going through different rehab processes. So they were just really understanding and 
my teammates as well as everybody else at my school, like our athletic therapists and trainers, were just super supportive through the whole process, which made it much easier to rehab and go through it again. So looking at that recovery process, was it easier the second time around? Honestly, just with the support system that I had behind me, it made it much easier just mentally and physically for me to rehab again. And I guess knowing what you had to put into it probably made it a little easier too. Yeah, but the second time around, you, you know, you got to push a little harder because you're like, I, I honestly can't do it again. So you have to push a little harder, do a little more reps and hope that you don't have to do it again for the third time. Right. When you're out there on a basketball court now, having had injuries on both knees, do you ever worry it could happen again? Or is that constantly something in your head or are you able to block that out? Honestly, most of the time I step on the court, it's always kind of in the back of my head, but I try and, you know, speak things into existence, telling myself, like, I'm going to have a good game, I'm going to play good, and it kind of just blocks those thoughts until I have to play the next game. Do you wear knee braces? No, I don't. I am kind of just push through, build the muscles all around my ACL so I don't have to wear the knee braces anymore. But you did, I imagine. Yeah, I did for the first couple um, months after you tear it, you kind of have to wear it just to make sure that the ACL strengthened and stuff. But after you've played with it for a while, you kind of get the freedom to choose if you want to keep wearing it or um, play without it. So how satisfying is it now? You just finished your fourth year to be able to perform at a level that you have been able to perform at healthy. Honestly, it just gives you a giant confident boost knowing that you can kind of do the things that you weren't able to do when you are just coming back from an injury like that. So it's just, it's kind of like a finally, like a relieving moment to know that you can play at that level again and you can compete with those people that you've been trying to catch up to. And you were also given this award. Uh, part, part of it is because of personal adversity and tragedy that you and your family have had to overcome. And that is the passing of your mother in early 2017. How were you able to use that and build on it as a as a person and use it to build your character as well something so devastating like that my mom always taught me how to be very resilient and just when it happened to my family my brother my sister are my biggest support system so like they helped me through it all so just having them you know behind me the whole time made it much easier and almost reassuring in a way that everything was going to be okay and I was going to be able to keep going and move on through this process is there a father figure? Uh, no, it's just me, my mom, and my brother, and my sister. Okay, so what were those first months like after that? Um, felt kind of lonely, but um, I have other family that's very supportive of um, my little family now. So it's just, it's been easy building new relationships and having more people come into the picture that you didn't know were there to support you, just coming to support you. Now, I understand you also had to take on added responsibilities after this, including getting a job. Yeah, not every university kid wants to work and go to school. So, you know, getting a job just teaches you how to be, you know, have your own money, be independent, and teaches you a lot about other life things. So it's not too bad once you kind of get the hang of it and get into routine, but obviously nobody wants to take on all that responsibility at once. So how are you able to balance job, basketball, schoolwork, and make it through? Lots of planning. I have a very intense calendar and writing everything down and setting reminders on my phone just to make sure I'm not missing things that are important and handing everything on on time. And do you make sure you get enough sleep through all that? Uh, 
Sleep's not always the top of my list, but um, I get it off to naps and when I can during the day. Right. How old's your brother? Um, I would have just turned 17. Okay. So what? How did you almost feel like you took on a bit of a motherly role after this happened? Oh, yes. Like, absolutely. I know my mom and my brother were super close to just trying to fill that void for him and make the transition of him, you know, going to high school and starting his life over again just a little bit easier for him. What, if, what uh, if you don't mind me asking, what did you find for work? Um, I worked a lot at the mall because it was super close to my house. So just getting like tons of jobs at the mall and, you know, having a lot of part-time work so I could get in enough hours just to make everything work out. And what do you want to do with, uh, after you're done with your university career? <laughs> Start my career in um, environmental studies, you know, hopefully get a good job. What are you looking at environmental studies wise? What, what's your dream job? Well, I'm kind of, my focus area is kind of a little bit sustainable development, a little bit in environmental assessment. So I'm really hoping to get a good job in environmental assessment and work for a good company. And you're hoping to do that here in Winnipeg? Um, I wouldn't be opposed to moving, but obviously Winnipeg's home and my family's here. So I would love to stay home if I could. What do you like most about living in Winnipeg? Um, honestly, my family, everybody's here that supports me. So just going away and being alone might be a little scary. So just my support system is what keeps me here. So you got one year left in your university basketball eligibility. What are you hoping to accomplish in your final season? Hopefully crush some more double-doubles. I got a couple this year, so I'm hoping to just keep building on that. And hopefully our team can just strengthen and get further into playoffs this year. Well, Addison, I appreciate your time. Congratulations on this honor, and uh, best of luck as you go ahead here. Thank you so much. Yesterday, I had the chance to chat with CFL Commissioner Randy Ambrosi. You heard some clips in the afternoon sports run, and you heard him with Bob Irving on the Blue Bomber winner special as well. But hey, it's a one-on-one with the commissioner. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to play it. I got to play it. So keep that in mind that this is from yesterday as you listen. What have you been hearing so far from fans across the country about the playoff format idea, which I think is the number one offseason kind of talking point amongst people here? Yeah, it's been it's been incredible, actually. Very, um, it's kind of a polarizing uh, subject. And so, look, I'd say the majority of the fans, including uh, a large group of the Bombers uh, sponsors today, were almost unanimous in support of it. Uh, they don't like the decision day uh, concept, but they certainly like the they certainly like the overall concept. And we've heard a lot of positive feedback across the country, so that's been good. It's just good to be talking about football, and it's been a subject that has created a lot of conversation. And uh, and it's good, middle of February, and uh, and people are talking CFL football. I like that. So they're more in favor of the whole get rid of the divisions come playoff time, the three six four five matchup that necessarily the top team gets to pick their opponent next round. That's right, yeah. So I think the decision day and the inherent kind of insult with um, with who you would pick to play, I think there's been a little bit of um, pushback on that. But it's been fun. It's been, uh, but I think overall there's a lot of people like it. There's still work to be done, though. Look, we're we're preparing an analysis that'll go to the governors and the presidents uh, ahead of our March 17th meeting. It'll It'll really position, you know, a lot of the, a lot of the, you know, the detailed analysis that we're doing so that, you know, because our, our governors, when they make decisions, they're, they're serious people and they want to have full information. But all of it's been, the, the process has been positive. Uh, the real work is yet to be done.
Is that something that could happen, even if it's just a three, six, four, five part of it this season? Yeah, you know what? I, I don't think it's. Uh, I don't think it's uh, fair to speculate on what the governors would decide. I don't want to put pressure on them to, you know, feel like I've backed this into a corner. So, no, I, like we're going to take this to them, kind of share with them. There has been generally very positive support from the fans, but um, you know. If they want to do it and and what timing they want to do it, I'll leave it in their capable hands. So a report came out from TSN today looking at the CBA and apparently Canadians that haven't played in the CFL, they go to the NFL, they can play their five years and want to come back. They're held to a rookie salary as part of the CBA. Is that something that you were aware of and something that can be changed pretty quickly? Well, it's uh, we are aware of it. In fact, there's been a lot of exchanges over the past uh, past several days, you know, on this very subject. You know, I think this is one of those things that we'll sit down and talk to the players about. And, you know, what I'm trying to do, and I, and I feel like I can say this on behalf of the players as well, they're really trying. We are trying to think about our relationship differently. You know, how do we how do we look at the future of this league together? How do we how do we help it to grow together? How do we resolve problems in a very positive way? So you know, this will it's it's obviously um, it's obviously something that needs some discussion, and uh, and we'll get to that. The players are about to pick their their new leader, their new president, and you know we'll wait for them to have the you know have that election. And then welcome the new president, uh, you know, into the fold. And, and there'll be one of uh, this will be one of you know a lot of things we'll want to talk about. I'm curious though, since the CBA was agreed upon in May of last year, why did it just come out now? Well, you can imagine the CBA is a very complicated document, and there's a lot of provisions in there. Sometimes what happens is the you know, you you negotiate the you negotiate the deal. It's it's like hundreds and hundreds of points, and uh, and and then there's something that just po- comes up out of the like pops out of the snow like a daisy, like a, it's what like a scene out of Mulan uh, that just pops up, and then you, you you well we didn't think about that, or or we maybe talked about it but didn't. It wasn't reviewed in, in enough detail to have said well what about the problem that might create, but that's good. You know if. If we, if what we're left with is having to have a conversation with our players and talk this through, then I think that's a fine outcome, as long as we do it in a in a positive way. What does the CFL think of players going to the XFL for a couple months? Well, you know, I if a player wasn't under contract with us and went to the XFL, I, I don't have a problem with that. You know, we only have a few that are down there now that have played on CFL rosters. I, I would worry a little bit about the wear and tear. I'd be worried about somebody coming back to the CFL. That's a lot of football. And, you know, having given that how much time we're all spending on player safety and player health issues, you have to ask yourself the question, you know, how much football can a person play uh, and and keep it safe? So that's I think that's the first thing that comes to my mind. Um, but again, you know, th- there'll be discussions on this in the days ahead and, you know, we'll, we'll talk it through, but, you know, I, I'm more looking at this through the player's lens of, I want to keep these guys healthy and, uh, and on the field and, and I want to make sure that they're set up for, you know, great lives when they, when they leave the game. Looking at the XFL TV numbers, they've been shrinking week over week and the argument to putting them on TV is there's an appetite for football all year round. Any thoughts of getting the CFL on like a bigger network in the States in the summertime because there's no football in the summer either. Well, you know, we are with ESPN. That's pretty big. So we're, you know, we'll get it on ABC for instance. 
Yeah, you know, like I, I, you know, we want to be big everywhere. We want to grow our, we want to grow the appetite for a game. And we were just talking about this with a group of the Bombers' biggest supporters, their uh, their sponsorship group. And you know, this was a topic: just how popular our game can be if we get more eyeballs. Once people watch it, they tend to like it. That's that's a reality. So, you know, we'll keep we'll keep working. But right now, ESPN has been a great partner for us. You know, how we grow the game and grow our relationship with ESPN is my number one priority. All those other things are things we can think about over time. But, you know, I, I, te- I tend to believe that the best thing we can do is respect our partners and try to find a way to be bigger with them uh, before we consider uh, alternatives. Finally, just internationally, any growth on eyeballs through the first year of TFL 2.0? Well, we know it is picking up steam, and you wouldn't believe the number of phone calls we get. You know, other countries that want to be part of this, I think we're at the beginning of a whole new beginning for the CFL. Uh, You know, interesting conversations. We're talking now about an international broadcast strategy. How do we work with our alliance partners how do we help them how do they help us we're going to meet with our alliance group uh, at the draft we're going to have a big dinner uh, and really talk strategy together so that you know there's so many wonderful aspects of our 2.0 strategy that are still you know need to be that need to be decided but it's all positive stuff about growing the game and growing our uh, presence around the world thanks for your time randy and enjoy your trip across the country yeah thanks very much nice talking to you Tune in to the CGOB Sports Show weeknights from 7 to 9 with me, Christian O'Mell, or you can download the podcast on iTunes. It's actually on iTunes now. Wow. If you got an Android, then I think you're out of luck, but Apple products, you're good. So listen to the podcast. Please subscribe. You can rate it. What's the worst that could happen?